Jesus today. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Would you make some noise for Jesus? Come on, let's lift up the King of Kings. Come on. glad you came to church today. Anybody? Come on. Y'all are roughing it. You got one hour less sleep. Anybody grateful to be in church even though you got one hour less sleep? Well, hey, why don't you grab a seat? We're going to jump right in today. It's Baptism Sunday, by the way. Anybody excited to see some baptisms? We're in a series called Miracles and misses. And uh, just so you can kind of know where we're heading, we're, we're going to spend four weeks. We started last week with the, the miracle of protection. We're going to spend the first four weeks looking at four different kinds of miracles that we see in the scriptures, miracles of protection, provision, deliverance, and healing. Then we're going to spend the last two weeks talking about the misses. If you if you wonder what's a miss, well, a miss is when God has called you, me, the church to be the miracle for somebody else. How many of you know sometimes God positions you to be somebody else's miracle? You, you ever been a miracle? You ever been the answer to somebody's prayer? They've been praying, Lord, I need help. I need financial help. I need somebody to notice me. I, I need whatever it is. And so oftentimes God will position his church to actually be the answer to a prayer that somebody else is praying. And the question that I have to ask myself, and I want us all to be asking ourselves this question is when the opportunity comes and God has positioned us to be the miracle, will we be the miracle or will we miss it? For the person who's been crying out to God for whatever it is that they need, though we have eyes to see the needs that exist around us, do we have a heart to actually meet the needs that we see? Will the person praying, crying out to God for help, for hope, for something, will they receive the miracle? Because we weren't afraid to step out and be used by God, or will they be one who misses? So that's what this series is all about. I want to welcome our, our locations right now. Hilliard, welcome. Westerville, Short North. Every guest walking through these doors, it is an honor to serve you. To every man and woman joining us today at three correctional facilities. Come on, put your hands together. Let's welcome them. We're so glad to be with you. Hey, let's, let's open with the word of prayer. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Open our eyes we might see, open our spiritual hearts that we might receive from you today. Lord, we're going to be asking you for miracles of healing because we know who you are. If there's anybody here today that isn't sure who you are, I pray that God, you would make yourself overwhelmingly and abundantly real to any person with questions on their heart. We honor you we thank you. And it is in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, would you one more time make some noise for Jesus? Come on. Just give him honor. I want to I start with this. If you, if you read the Bible, you're going to notice that there are many names that are given to God. Many names of God that we find throughout the scripture. And I just want you to listen to a few of these 
And to consider God who is greater than any thought you could ever have, any dream you could ever imagine God. This is creator God. But here, here are some names given to him. The first, El Shaddai, which means Lord God Almighty, God who is strong. Elion, Lord God Most High. There is no one higher than our God. Adonai, Master, Lord. Yahweh, which means Jehovah God. Jehovah Nisi, which means God is my banner. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is here. He is a present God. El Olam, everlasting God. Elohim, creator God. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our God is peace. God my peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of hosts. We could go on and on and on with the names of God, but if you have your notes, I want to give you one more name of God. One of God's names is Jehovah Rapha, which means God who heals. Not God who did heal, not God who maybe sometime might heal again, but Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Anybody believe in God, our healer? Come on. Anybody believe in miracles? Anybody believe that there is nothing too big for our God? I'm curious. Raise your hand if you, if you believe that God performs miracles. Just raise your hand if you believe in miracles. You believe that God is our healer. A lot of people. If, you, if your hand's not up, that's okay. You don't believe that. That's all right. I, I, my hand's up. I believe that God can make impossible things possible, that there is no thing too big or too small for our God. I believe that we serve a God who heals. I believe the word of God. I believe the scriptures. And when you begin to read the scripture, healing is a constant presence throughout the scripture more than 30 times. In Jesus' ministry in the New Testament, Jesus healed the sick. He made the lame walk. He made the blind see caused the deaf to hear. He even raised dead people to life on more than one occasion. And that's pretty incredible. But what I think is even more incredible than what Jesus did is this promise in John chapter 14, verse 12. And I think when Jesus says this, he starts with very truly, I tell you, because anytime he starts with very truly, I tell you, he knows that what he's about to tell you is probably going to be met with a, a considerable amount of disbelief. He understands that what he's about to say is going to be hard for us to really take that in. And so he says, very truly, I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. I can't, I can't even imagine what the people hearing Jesus say this for the first time must have been feeling and what they must have sensed in that moment, but he says, and not only that, but you will do even greater things than what you've seen me do. This is an incredible promise of God. And we start to see the greater things in the early church through the first followers of Jesus as they set out to declare the gospel, having received the indwelling spirit, presence, power of the Holy Spirit of God, having taken Jesus wholly and fully at his words, signs and wonders began to follow. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, at the hands of the apostles, which, which listen, don't, don't, don't confuse apostle with you and me. Like, like they were just people like you and I, our people. 
signs and wonders at the hands of the apostles were taking place among all the people. Everybody was filled with awe. And not the few, but at the many signs and wonders that were being performed by the early church, those early believers. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, again, Jesus promises this, that these signs will accompany those who believe. Jesus said, in my name, in the name of Jesus, you will drive out demons. Come on, miracles of deliverance. You will speak in new tongues. You will place your hands on sick people and not they might get healed. But he says, they will get well. What an incredible promise. In Acts chapter 5, we're told that entire towns were bringing out their sick to the streets as Peter walked by in hopes that even his shadow might pass them over. And not just some of them. Verse 16 tells us that all of them were healed. One time the apostle Paul is preaching and he's been going on for quite a while. I'm pretty sure this has never happened in this church, but it's, it's a daylight savings today. So maybe today would be the day that it could happen, but he's going on and on and on. And it says in, in verse nine, Acts chapter 20, verse nine, that seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. How many of you know that's not a good day in church? It's a bad day. That's, a, like, that's not, I hope it wasn't the first Sunday of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. What's this say about the year to come? So Paul goes down, finds the boy, throws himself on the young man, puts his arms around him. And the Bible says that though they picked this young man up dead. They ended up carrying him home or walking home with this boy alive because we serve a God who heals. Amen. When you see someone drop dead in church and you, you drop dead, but you walk out alive. That's a good day in church. It went from a bad day in church to like a, I got to get back to this church kind of day. Most controversial miracle, by the way, was recorded in Luke chapter 4. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, Bible scholars believe that it was because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That is precisely why Peter chose to deny Jesus three times. <laughs> Just seeing if you guys were awake. That's a pastor joke. Here's something I can't kid about. Here's something I can't kid about. That just like many of you, I have seen God do incredible miracle works in people's lives. I have witnessed the miraculous, powerful hand of God do things that should not be able to be done. There, there, there is, a, is a woman in our church. She was a neighbor of ours, my wife and, and, and my neighbor. And doctors found that she had a mass in her brain. We, we've, we've told her story before, but she had a mass in her brain. It was something with the blood vessels in her brain. And, and the prognosis for this condition was not good. The doctors told her this will 
kill you. We don't know when, but it probably won't take very long. And, and so you, you might want to start preparing for that. And so they went home and, and she started preparing to die. And uh, her husband started preparing. What, what, what's life going to look like without my, my wife? There's nothing we can really do about this. Is when, when that goes, when, when that blows, your life is, is over. And, and uh, her small group started to surround her in prayer. Not everybody in this church knew what she was going through, but people in this church started praying for her. She goes back to the doctor and they run some more tests and they're trying to figure out, is this operable and is there anything we could possibly do? They run some new scans and, and the doctor's looking at these new scans and he, he thinks he's looking at the wrong person's brain because the new scan doesn't look like the old scan. Come on, somebody. I said the new scan didn't look like the old scan. Because the old scan shows that there's something in your brain that's going to kill you. The new scan shows we can't find what was on the old scan. My sister-in-law discovered a lump in her chest. This wasn't too long ago. And uh, she went to the doctor because she wanted to make sure that it wasn't just her. And that's a scary thing for any woman to go through. She gets to the doctor and, and uh, she's told, no, there's something there. We need to do something about this. Let's run tests on it. They scan it. They see it. And uh, they, they schedule a follow-up for her to get a biopsy. You don't biopsy something that's not there. You biopsy something that is there to know whether or not it's cancer or if it's benign and, and how we can deal with this thing. And she said one day, she, I think it was she was in the car, she just felt this overwhelming peace of God and she felt the Spirit of God speak to her and say, you don't have to worry about this thing, I've got you. Goes back for the biopsy which again, you don't biopsy something that's not there. You biopsy something that is there. But when she goes back for the biopsy, the doctor's looking at this new scan. He's looking at the old scan. It doesn't look like the same person. I can't explain it. You can try to explain it away any way that you want to. All I know is I serve a God who heals. Come on, somebody. I serve a God who can take old scans and make them look like new scans, who can take sick people and make them well. And it's not hard for him. It's not hard for him. We serve a God who heals. That is true. I believe that statement through and through. Our God heals. But let me take this one step further for you. Because this is what makes this message so hard to preach and Honestly, it's what makes this message so hard for many to receive because our God heals. That is true through and through. But let me give you another word that is true through and through. Our God heals, but he does not heal everyone all the time. Now, I'm pretty sure I heard some people, amen, in the, the first part, our God heals. Amen. I believe it. Come on, somebody. All right, let's, let's celebrate. I, I heard some amens the first time around, but, but when I gave you that last part, our God heals, but he does not heal everybody all the time. It's not something I want to amen. Even those of you who raised your hand a moment ago, you said, I believe in a miracle working God. He's a, he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. I'm sure that even you have asked him to do some things at times in your life and he didn't do. I'm sure you've prayed for healing for somebody. It didn't come. It wasn't given the way that you thought that it would be given. That's not a, a, a faith maker. That, that tends to be a faith shaker. 
For me, one time it was a woman in our church. She had cancer. She was a godly woman. She was a mother. She was a, a good wife. And doctors had given her about a week left to live. And we were in a series on prayer. And the message that I was supposed to preach that weekend was a message about praying bold prayers. Like, like when you pray small prayers and small prayers only, what does that say about your belief in God, that he's a small God? I knew this woman was dying of cancer and I felt the spirit of the Lord convict me as I was preparing that message. And, and he, he said to me, listen, you can't preach a message on praying bold prayers unless you're willing to get up and pray some bold prayers. So I thought, great, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get up in front of the whole church. We're going to put this message to practice. We're going to pray bold prayers. And I'm not going to pray for some woman with cancer in secret. We're going to call out her name together. I'm, I'm letting everybody know what she looks like and what her name is. Because a week from now, she's not going to be dead. We're going to celebrate that she's still living. The whole church stood up. We called out her name. We, we believed the Lord for her healing. We prayed for her healing. And a week later, I got up in front of the church and I let the church know that she's healed, but she's heaven healed. She's not here healed. She's, she's heaven healed. She, she was released from the, the hospital not to go home to her husband, but to be home in heaven with Jesus. There was a young girl in our church same thing, cancer, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for her healing and the healing did not come. There's a pastor on our staff whose spouse is, is suffering from debilitating migraines that come and they come and they come and she's been prayed over and she's prayed for herself, I'm sure more than anybody can count, gone to every doctor, done every, everything that she knows how to do and still the migraines come. And for me sometimes that's not a faith builder, it's a it's a faith shaker. When we know that God can, but he does not. When we believe that it is within his power to act, but he does not give us what we're asking for. That God heals, but he does not heal everybody all the time. This isn't something new. This isn't just an our generation thing. This is in the early church too. This is when Jesus walked the earth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, just read to you a miracle that the Apostle Paul performed by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised a dead boy to life in his church, and then he's got a friend who wants to travel with him to preach the gospel. And you have to know and believe that if, if, if you've seen dead people raised from death to life, if you've seen miracles then, then, and you're sick, then you're believing God for your miracle. But Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 20, hey, my friend didn't get healed. We left him home sick and we went on to continue the work, but we left our boy home sick. We didn't get what we were asking for. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, it tells us that Timothy was frequently sick. He had stomach issues, and apparently God didn't take those stomach issues away. And sometimes I think I, I've done inherited the Timothy anointing. Come on, somebody. My doctor asked me one time, like, do you have a stressful job? I was like, let's not talk about that. It's like, well, at least you don't have the kind of job where you're always in front of people talking. And, yeah, right, let's not talk about that. Uh, I don't know why my stomach's always sick, but it is. The apostle Paul had some issue. He, he re referenced it as a thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what it is, but we know it. It caused him so much pain, so much grief that there were three times specifically he pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away from him. 
The answer that he got from the Lord was, I'm not taking this thing away from you, but I am giving you enough grace that will see you through. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to take this thing away from you, but I'm giving you enough grace, enough power, enough strength by my Holy Spirit to see me through. Hey, Paul, I know this is going to be hard for you, but it's going to build something in you, and I just need you to trust me. I'm not giving you what you're asking for, but I need you. I need you to trust me. Matter of fact, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, there were times when Jesus performed many miracles. There were times when he performed very few, if any, miracles. And I want to give you three reasons why Jesus did not perform miracles. But I want you to know right off the bat that one of the reasons is not because somebody deserves to be sick any more than somebody else. Matter of fact, the disciples were all confused one time. They, they looked at a man who'd been born blind and they said to Jesus, well, tell us, did this man sin or did his parents sin? In other words, if you're born blind, then you must have done something to deserve it. Can I just tell you, church, we've all done enough to deserve anything that comes our way? The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God and the wage of sin. It's not just blindness, it's not just sickness, it's not disease, it's death. I've sinned just like you've sinned and there is no sinner who is more deserving of sickness than anybody else. So that's not a reason. But there are three reasons why Jesus refused to perform miracles. Number one, Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. He refused to perform miracles to prove himself. The Pharisees tried to test him, give us a sign, prove to us that you are who you say you are. The Bible says Jesus sighed deeply. And he asked them, why does this generation demand a sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given. Have you ever asked God to do something for you? And it's like the deal that we make with God. If you just do this one thing, then you can have my heart. Then I'll follow you. Then I'll really believe that you are who you say you are. Devil tried to tempt Jesus and, you know, come on, Jesus, perform a trick. Turn this Turn this stone to bread. Come on, Jesus, throw yourself down off the top of this temple. I, I know you can command the angels in heaven to come to your rescue. You prove to me that you are who you say you are. And Jesus just looks him in the eye like, I ain't got nothing to prove to you, devil. He refused to perform any miracle that would interfere ultimately with God's ultimate plan. You look at the, the garden, what takes place in the garden of Gethsemane. I was just there last week. I was there with my mom. I was there with a group of people from our church, stood where Jesus stood, walked where Jesus walked, sailed on the Sea of Galilee, tried to walk on the water, didn't quite work for me though, never has. Always try though when I'm there, always try. How can you be there and not try? Because if it happened once, it could happen again, but just it didn't happen with me. If you look at what happened in the garden, here's Jesus weeping in the garden. He knows what's coming. He, he asks his disciples to stay awake with them and pray. Peter's one of them. He, he refuses to stay awake and pray. 
He won't stay awake and pray, but when the guards show up to arrest Jesus, now he thinks it's, it's within his power to defend Jesus. So I won't stay and pray with you, but now I'm going to defend you. And what does the Bible say that Peter did? He takes his sword and he swings it at one of the guards and he cuts off one of the guards' ears. And right there in the garden, here's a miracle. Jesus touches the man's ear and he heals him. It's a miracle. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, put your sword back in its place. What are you thinking? Don't you know that if I wanted out of this mess, I could get myself out of this mess? Don't you know that if I wanted all of heaven to come to my rescue, all of heaven would come to my rescue, Peter? But if I did that, how would the scripture be fulfilled? You see, Jesus isn't putting his personal preference in the moment ahead of God's providential plan for everybody. And you're like, yeah, but that wasn't what Jesus preferred. You tell me that when you look at the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden right before he was arrested. Father, if there's any way that this cup of suffering can be taken from me, do that. But I'm reminding myself and I'm reminding you, not my will, but thine be done. Peter, put your sword away. Suffering is a part of God's ultimate plan. But just know, Peter, I'm not suffering for me. I'm suffering for you. I've got a greater plan that I've come to fulfill. The third reason Jesus did not perform miracles was he did not perform miracles where there was no faith. Jesus' hometown, people found it hard to, to believe him. Even his own brothers had a hard time believing him until they saw him put to death and resurrected from death to life. James had a hard time believing him until he saw Jesus resurrected. Now, okay, I think that's enough for me. I'm in. But people who knew Jesus and grew up with Jesus are like, how can we believe that this man can walk on water? How can you tell me this man can fly when in eighth grade he couldn't even dunk a basketball? Come on, somebody. Because if you're the son of God, you know you can dunk a basketball. And it says that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And then other times, it's just the opposite. There's a woman who's been sick for 12 years, and she, she has such great faith that she knows if I can just get close enough to Jesus, I don't need him to see me. I don't need him to talk to me. I don't need him to touch me. I don't need him to pray for me. If I can just get close enough to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. She makes her way through the crowd. She touches the edge of his garment. Jesus feels the power leave him, and, and he turns to find out who touched me. The disciples are like, what do you mean? It's a crowd. Everybody's touching you. He goes, no, somebody touched me with some great faith. I got to know who that is. He finds her, and he looks her in the eye, and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Jesus healed a man that was born of leprosy. And he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Mark 10, he heals a blind man. The, the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, the Bible says he received his sight and he began to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, when it comes to faith, Jesus was astounded on many occasions at both the lack of faith that people had towards him and the amount of faith that people had towards him. 
Sometimes Jesus will look at somebody and say, I'm amazed at the faith that you have. I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. And then other times Jesus would be amazed by the lack of faith that people would have. And I wonder when it comes to you, if Jesus is going to be amazed by you, will it be for a lack of faith or will it be for such great faith that you have? Jesus will be astounded by you. Will it be because you have such great faith that no matter what you see, no matter what you walk through, no matter what you might go through or face this side of heaven, you know and you believe and you trust that God is good and that God is faithful and that God will always ever see you through. Will he be amazed by your incredible faith or will he be amazed that you have no faith? See, I have to remind myself when my faith is shaken that my faith isn't in what God can do for me here and now. My faith is in who God is only. In other words, if your faith is in the answer to a specific prayer that you just prayed, if your faith is in an outcome, your faith is being misplaced. Your faith can't be in an outcome. Your faith must be in God who is bigger than any outcome that you could ever possibly ask for. My faith can't be in an outcome. My faith is in God. My faith is in Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, God who is faithful, God who is good, only ever and always, God who is trustworthy and true, able and mighty to save. When my faith is is in God and who he is. Here's what, what I can be confident of is that miracle that I've been asking for, that, 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 that miracle that I've been praying for, that healing that I, I've been waiting for. Listen, I'm going to get it one way or another. My timetable and God's timetable, it might not always be the same, but I know when my faith is in an everlasting God that my miracle is guaranteed. I might not get it here now, but it's guaranteed. Why? Because for those who are in Christ Jesus, what's guaranteed? heaven is guaranteed come on somebody and there is no sickness in heaven there is no hurt in heaven there are no wounds in heaven there is no COPD in heaven there is no coronavirus come on somebody in heaven there's no HIV in heaven there's no breast cancer in heaven there's nobody who will hurt you again in heaven there's no backbiting in heaven there's no back breaking in heaven and heaven if you are in Christ is your guaranteed inheritance come on two people thank you Mark 9 man's son is demon possessed he goes to Jesus he says this something we'd all say got this problem have this challenge need this healing need this miracle he says, if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said this. He said, if you can. I wonder if he had attitude when he said, I don't know. Je Jesus had to have gotten attitude sometimes, you know, like godly attitude. Like, if you can help us, Jesus, what do you mean, if you can? If 
you can. Do you know who I am? That everything is possible for he who believes. And it says that immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. But I need you to help me with my unbelief. What he's saying is, I have faith. It's just not that much faith. I have faith. I, I believe that you can, but my faith is not perfect faith. And I love what Jesus says next because he doesn't condemn this man. He doesn't make this man feel bad. He doesn't make an example of this man. He just says, hey, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to any mountain in your life, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Come on, in my name. That's how he must have said it, in Jesus' name. Come on. If you've got mustard seed faith, you ever seen a mustard seed? It's like a millimeter in diameter. It's smaller than a booger. You know what mustard seed faith is? It's almost not their faith. It's almost I don't have faith. I've got mustard seed faith. It's almost I don't have any faith. It's mustard seed faith. It's mustard seed size. But I think if you need some, a miracle in your life today, if you need some healing in your life today, I think we need some people to say, hey devil, I've got mustard seed faith and I'm not afraid to use it. Come on somebody. Hey giant, I've got mustard seed faith and I'm not afraid to use it. Hey sickness, I've got mustard seed faith and I'm not afraid to use it. Hey disease, I've got mustard seed faith and I'm not afraid to use it. Hey son, I know you've been wayward for a long time, but your mama has mustard seed faith and she's calling you home in Jesus' name. Ain't nothing that the world can give to you that will keep you out of the house of God. I've got mustard seed faith. And every giant, every obstacle, every challenge, every sickness, you stand no chance against my mustard seed faith. But let's remind ourselves, let's remind our church, because we're going to ask God for miracles. I believe God's going to do some miracles in the house today. I, I really do. I believe that there's some people, listen, there. You've got a bad report and you've been sitting on this thing and I really do believe God's going to do something supernatural in your life. But let's not forget that the ultimate purpose of Jesus was not to heal your physical body. It was to save your soul. And it's important that we remember that because again, my faith can't be misplaced. It's misplaced if it's in answer to something I've been asking for my faith needs to be in God in him and him alone when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead that was pretty amazing he'd been dead four days he's all up in that tomb ain't nobody coming out from being dead four days Jesus decides I'm gonna do something here that's gonna blow your mind he says Lazarus come forth he's now alive again people can't believe what just happened but can I tell you the next time Lazarus died, he was on his own. 
Come on, somebody. Next time he died, he was on his own. Next time he died, he died. Four days turned into 40 days. His physical body turned to dust. Listen, God can take the cancer from your body, and we can praise God when he does that. But you're still 100% guaranteed going to die. God can heal you of AIDS. God, God can heal you of whatever you've got going on. But, but even if he takes that disease from you, you're still 100% guaranteed going to die. And the question is, will it just be your body or will it be your soul too? Will you live forever in eternity with Jesus in heaven or will you live forever in eternity separated from him forever? That's your choice. That's why the greatest miracle of all is salvation, the greatest gift that anybody could ever receive is salvation. Yes, we serve a God who heals. I believe there's going to be miracles in this house, but I also believe the greatest miracle of all is when he raises a spiritually dead person into everlasting life. It's the greatest miracle of all. It doesn't take perfect faith to take hold of God's promise of heaven. It only takes the faith that I have. It doesn't take great faith to take hold of God's promise. It just takes the faith that you have. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every location, would you stand up on your feet? Come on, everybody. Stand up on your feet. Don't nobody leave. We're going to baptize people in a moment, worship in a moment. We're going to pray for healing in a moment. But I'm going to believe God right now with this church for the greatest miracle of all, and that is that people would be brought from death to life. So everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. Every location, we're going to pray. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Everybody. So I'm going to ask us to pray right now. If you're saved, you can just thank him. If you're not, not sure, then be sure right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I trust you as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive salvation from you, forgiveness from you, life, peace, joy, hope from you. And I commit to follow you because of who you are. Jesus' name. Amen. While we were floating on the Sea of Galilee last week, 18 of us from this church, 222 people were praying that prayer and were saved last week. Can we honor Jesus for that? Come on. 222 people. even more still today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to move into baptisms and Acts chapter 2 verse 38. It says, repent and be baptized. There's a, there's a step. You know, I believe you're saved right now when you pray that prayer, but there's a step that we're called to take in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to wait a year, a week, a day. You can just do that. So when I count to three in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want to be baptized to make your way one of the aisles at any location and our, our volunteers will lead you outside into warm clean water we're going to have you up on the screen we're going to worship we're going to celebrate with you 
Here's what I'm believing for. While you're being baptized, we're going to pray for healing in here. Some people need healing in here. We're going to pray for that. But if you need healing and you want to be baptized, what I'm believing God for is that there would be such an open heaven over you that when you stir that water and you're put under, it's not just going to be your spiritual sickness, but that physical sickness, I, I believe it's not going to come back out of that water with you. Can we believe that together? Come on. Anybody? That if you want to be baptized and healed, and you're going to trust Jesus for that, I'm trusting him for you. I'm trusting him with you. When you're put into, the, into that water, it's not just a spiritual thing. I believe it's going to be a physical thing as well. We're believing God for your healing. While you're being baptized, though, we're going to pray for people in here and worship in here, and we'll see you up there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three, and if you want to be baptized, make your way to the aisle. We have clothes to change into. We have warm towels for you, all the works. You don't have to worry about anything. No excuses. Just do it. Amen. In Jesus' name. One, two, three. Come on, move. Every aisle every service, every experience, come on, every campus. Come on, just make your way. Make your way. Just take the step. Come on, there's open heavens over you. I believe that in Jesus' name. Take the step. Encounter God. Don't miss the moment. Seize the moment in Jesus' name. Come on, it's not just us celebrating you, it's heaven celebrating you. Heaven celebrates you. Amen? So make your way out. Now everybody else at every location, if you have a need where there's a healing need in your life, I just want you to lift both hands up. I don't have anything that I can give you but the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit who's already at work in this place. So there's nothing special about the prayer that I pray, but there's something incredibly powerful about the name of Jesus that I'm about to speak over you. Amen? So if you need something in your life, you need a, a miracle of healing, I want you just to lift both hands in the air. And we're going to ask him for it right now. Lord, you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You are God who heals. There is no thing too small. There is no thing too big for you. And you see every hand, every need in this house, in this room, and in the many rooms that are gathered right now. And so I speak the name of Jesus over everybody. We're reminded that our healing is guaranteed in heaven, but we're believing you also for healing here now. And so in the mighty name of Jesus, because there is no name greater, there is no name stronger, there is no name more powerful than the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're, we're asking you right now, heal in Jesus' name. Set free in Jesus' name. Deliver in Jesus' name. Break the chains of bondage and addiction in Jesus' name. Kill that disease in Jesus' name. Strip away sickness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Not our name, but in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We worship you and you alone. 
for who you are, for what you've done, for the miracle of salvation and your continued work in our lives, in and through your church in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that we serve a healing God, would you put your hands together? Come on, would you celebrate him? Would you worship him? Would you lift your voice to heaven right now as we begin to sing and celebrate Jesus' name?